0: And welcome back to Now Screaming. I'm Liz Smart. And I'm Evan Culbertson. And we're watching all the horror movies at the Fantasia Festival. So you don't have to. Some of them you should, though. <laughs> this intro doesn't really work for this one.
1: As we've been teasing extensively, we covered this year's edition of Fantasia Festival, which is typically in Montreal and is currently online. And
0: which is actually great for us. I super enjoyed it being it's online wonderful. this
1: year. And we were lucky enough to be able to cover the festival and wanted to do a quick-ish roundup episode of some of the best horror films that we saw as part of the Fantasia Festival programming. So you guys know about them. Yeah,
0: because they will probably be released sometime, uh, soon or not soon. And some of them are do-not-misses.
1: Yeah, I think the challenge here is a, a widespread one for the industry, which is that still, even now... In our year of Tenet actually being out in theaters, (laughs) nobody knows what a movie release looks like right now. Yeah. Like, not to get too far off the topic, but like, Bill and Ted Face the Music just came out in simultaneous theaters and VOD. Tenet is only going to be in theaters. Mulan is coming straight to premium Disney Plus. What, like, when is a movie going to come out? It depends on what the distributor is really inclined to do and whether they Mm -hmm. think they're going to make a lot of money on it. People like to go to horror movies on Friday nights, and g probably movies make a lot of money that way. People as in me. Does that mean that distributors are going to hold on to some of this stuff for a post-COVID world? I don't know.
0: We don't know. But we saw these movies, and some of them you definitely should do whenever they are uh, released, uh, either in theaters or on VOD.
1: As such, we're also going to keep this entirely spoiler-free. So unless you're opposed to hearing about the premise and actors in a movie... You should be fine to hear this we're we're building some hype. Yeah. We're getting you excited about some stuff that we're yeah. excited about.
0: Hype, hype, hype. So we're going to
1: cover the top 5 horror films specifically that we saw at Fantasia.
0: Safe to say we recommend all of these once they're available for viewing. Uh oh yes, definitely. Some more than others that's just how rankings work, but um yeah, these were our favorites. These are we we did see some others but these were our these were our top 5. Uh, the first movie we are gonna talk about is called Unearth. Um it's directed by John C. Lyons and Dorota Swise and written by John C. Lyons and Kelsey Goldberg. Um it was the world premiere at Fantasia Festival, which is pretty cool. This is an environmental horror movie. A it's
1: fracking horror movie. Fracking,
0: oh yes, that's the tagline, I believe. A fracking horror movie. Um, so lots of commentary on um, fracking and environmental um, issues, as well as being, you know, a lot of horror. Um, it stars Mark Lucas, who, if you are a Buffy fan, as we both are, you will recognize him. He's
1: Riley from Buffy. He's a season four boyfriend in <laughs> Some college. Some people
0: don't like Riley. I like Riley. So I like Mark Blukas. Um And I like this movie. Uh, it has a lot um, of characters. Uh, two different families are dealing with, you know, their kind of financial issues with their farms, um, trying to stick together, but also obviously being torn apart by those kinds of financial issues and it has a lot to say about fracking. Um there's a lot of this movie that doesn't even really feel like horror. I mean, except for just the horror of what we're doing to the earth by fracking. But then once it hits its horror stride, it really, but it, really it does a lot. Really, yeah. It does a lot. Um body horror for sure. Um but yeah, I I like, I like this movie a lot. I'm really I'm really into it.
1: It's a bit atmospheric, which I think, can be hit or miss for people is the only mm-hmm. thing that I would caution. Again, it worked for me and, and you, yeah. but we like more atmospheric horror movies. Uh, a few of the things on our list are going to be that sort of slower build. The next movie is The Dark and the Wicked, written and directed by Brian Bertino, who you may know from The Strangers, or previously covered on this podcast, The Monster.
0: Uh, yeah, talk about atmospheric, that's, yeah. some, that's some very atmospheric uh, horror storytelling. Um, I love both of those movies.
1: Yeah, I think that this is firmly in that, like, of that caliber. This is a really strong movie uh, with some really fucked up images in it.
0: Uh, Yes, for sure.
1: The plot of this one is that a brother and sister return home because their father is very sick, to, uh, to, uh, home to a, a farm.
0: A no, another farm one. There was some heavy farm imagery in both of these movies. I didn't realize these
1: were back to back farm back-to-back movies. Back to
0: back farm movies, yeah.
1: Things are not going well for their family. And things just get worse. And I don't want to spoil anything else form. that happens. But, again, some really horrifying imagery. Some really good slow burns. There are visual moments in this that were among some of my favorite things I've seen this year. Mm-hmm. The movie itself is not my f- number one favorite thing yeah. of the year so far. But there's some really, really killer stuff in this.
0: Yeah. And I like um, it, the the sister's played by Maren Ireland, and I really yes, like her yes. a lot. Um, she's excellent. Her performance is really great. So, I yeah. I think this is... Uh, similar to unearth very atmospheric um very familial about about family ties and um obligations and i think that is very interesting and there's always so much opportunity with just you know like a sick bed there's always exorcist vibes you know like that's just it's it's ever present
1: absolutely not to be too much of a mark for the marketing but you also might have seen me tweeting about this poster (laughs) this is my favorite poster of the year by far nothing else is even close I love this poster. Go look it up if you haven't seen it. The Dark and the Wicked poster is amazing and should make you want to run out to see this movie. <laughs> I'd also like to say this is one of the few that we could say definitively has a release date. It was acquired at the festival by RLJE and Shudder. Uh, it is supposed to come out in theaters November 6th. Again,
0: who, who knows, knows what that looks like. Yeah. But
1: eventually, presumably, it will come to Shudder.
0: And I think it's a must-watch once you get there. Absolutely. Uh, The next one we're going to talk about is called Bleed With Me, directed by Amelia Moses. Uh, It's a Canadian film. This was also the world premiere.
1: It's a debut film, too. She'd made a short film before, but this is her her feature debut. Love
0: that. Debut films. Female directors. Love it. Very into it. This is uh, about a young woman who goes on a little cabin vacation with her friend from work and her friend from work's boyfriend, which doesn't that just sound like super fun, (laughs) Great ideas all around. What a position to be in. Let's just third wheel my friend from work. Um, But as you may imagine, you know, it's a cabin. It's snowing. Things go awry. Um, It's, again, a very atmospheric movie. Uh, Lots of just, like, you know, that feeling of when you're at the cabin and you're playing games and you're drinking wine and somebody says something kind of off and you're like, it's fine. And then, you know you're sleeping too much and people are disappearing and you don't know what's happening and that's, you know, kind well, of... Well,
1: yeah, I hope to, I hope this doesn't spoil things too much but I think that this movie plays really, really effectively with perception and uh, calling it a question, reality. Yes, absolutely. Uh, it, it's about not knowing what you're seeing and not knowing if what you're feeling is real mm-hmm. and I think that obviously there's something uh, very rich here with regard to that being like a feminine coded sort of like oh, absolutely. gaslighting thing. Yes. Um, which I'd love to talk about more again once this gets a release date. Yeah. All these movies, I think, really merit deep dives, and I, I hope that we can get to them on this podcast and really do an in depth discussion. I think this movie plays with that sort of psychological element really, really well. I agree. Uh, in contrast to Unearth and The Dark and the Wicked, where there are some uh, surreal elements to what you're seeing, there isn't really as much of a question about whether or not what you're seeing is happening.
0: No, We're no seeing there's some, no doubt. Upsetting stuff
1: happened and we mm-hmm. pretty much know. This movie's trying to not not to trick you, but to really make you call into question, question what you're seeing. Yeah. And I think it was really, really effective. This is some really, really good filmmaking, especially on such like a limited, limited scope. This movie has three people in it. It's
0: very intimate. Period. That's what I was gonna say. Like, not that Dark and the Wicked isn't intimate because it's also about yeah. siblings and family, but this is like you're trapped. You're snowed in, you don't know these people very well, and yet you have this bond with them that is like Transcendent, and it's just very, very, very intimate in a way that was so gripping uh, the whole time.
1: And these performances in particular are really, oh, really good.
0: Excellent. Again, yes. there's
1: only three actors; they all bring their A game. Mm-hmm. It works. I loved it. The next film is called *Detention*. It was directed by John Su. It is a Taiwanese film, and it's also the film of these that has been available the longest. So it was released in in Taiwan uh, last year, late last year. It ended up qualifying for the Golden Horse Awards, which are the Taiwanese Film Awards. Sort of swept a lot of categories, in part because there was a boycott of mainland China films, and this film itself is banned in China, in mainland China. Sort of a whole complicated thing. I don't entirely want to wade into the... The
0: boycott and the protests, etc.
1: And just the Republic of China. Yeah, it's complicated. The whole thing. Um, so, but this movie came out in Taiwan and made a decent amount of money. And won some awards, one yeah, won best new director and best screenplay. It is also, incidentally, based on a video game. Uh, oh, I didn't
0: know that.
1: Yeah, it's based on a, a horror video game, also called Detention. It is about the White Terror period of totalitarian rule in Taiwan. I believe this movie is set in the sixties. It was it was decades of dictatorship. It is about uh, a boy and a girl who's, to to transit... We didn't even do this, but this thematically, I think, uh, is flowing very well. Yeah. That uh, reality starts to fold in on them one day when they are at the school and...
0: Yeah, they sort of wind up alone at the school. Maybe there's oversleeping involved. Like, we don't really know what's going on at first. Um... And as as it develops, we start to learn that um, there is something going on with a secret book club. Yeah, they're copying books, banned books, um, and it's the, these books get passed around, and and you you know they're very careful who they share them with because anybody could snitch, and it seems somebody did snitch because their classmates are potentially dead, their teachers are potentially dead, and again, like not even just the reality skewing of. Um, Of bleed with me, where you're just not really sure what you're seeing. They seem to be in some some sort of liminal place, yes. Some sort of purgatory where they things are very strange and not how things normally are.
1: And I think what works most for me about this movie is it is really really compelling. The characters are good. The setting, the it's again, it's we're making it sound very wonky in terms of its like political sort of intrigue, but I think it's really, really compelling, and also visually, it's incredible.
0: Oh, and it's scary. I will say this, like, all of these movies we've talked about so far have elements where I'm like, ooh, what a great shot, like, oh, that's a little, like, again, body horror or things like that, very spooky. This movie, like, started, and I was like, holy shit, I'm legit terrified. Like, scared, which is rare. I think there was there's some images in this that I just found so... Sh- like an electric shock went up my spine you know yeah. just that level of like fear it was oh my god
1: and it looks so incredibly great incredibly visually the, the, it's unquestionably a horror movie but there's a lot of fantasy elements in the visual mm-hmm. design of this the thing I would compare it to not totally at all but visually is the films of Guillermo del Toro
0: I was about to say Pan's Labyrinth yes Pan's very Labyrinth similar. or
1: Crimson Peak yeah it's this sort of like phantasmagoric surreality and that muted really, yeah. uh, muted
0: colors compared with really drastic colors yes. like very Oh, I'm so glad we both had that instinct. That's so funny. Yeah,
1: This and our next movie, I think, were probably our favorites of the festival. Yes, absolutely. I would say, all, again, recommend all these movies. I would say Run, Don't Walk, if there's a way to see Detention. I agree. Unfortunately... It's
0: moving, also. It don't being, you think it's emotionally, yeah. really emotionally compelling? Like, woof. Woof. A lot.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Well, the thing is, is uh, unfortunately, being a Taiwanese film, who knows what kind of release this is going to get in America. Mm-hmm. Hopefully... Fingers crossed there is a legitimate legal way to watch this in America. Some things just never get released. And that's just...
0: (sighs) I really hope this gets
1: released. That is is the unfortunate truth of international cinema, is that sometimes things don't get distributed everywhere. Hopefully this does. When it does, I promise you we will mention it on the podcast. 100%. Because I think this is a really special film, and I'm really excited to see more films by John Tzu.
0: Great. Uh, the last horror movie we're going to talk about is The Block Island Sound, uh, written and directed by brothers McManus, Kevin, and Matthew. Uh, this it is without a doubt, my favorite movie of this festival. I can't say enough good things about it. I, like, am worried that I'm just going to gush for 20 minutes. Don't do that. I know. <laughs> but I love this movie so much. I I cannot get enough of it. Uh, it is, I mean, it's, it's really targeted at me. I don't know how much I've talked about it on this podcast before, but I'm very much a, um, ocean, uh, monsters person. I, I deeply love terrifying things from the sea. It's like so high up on my list of just like automatic loves. Um, and we don't really know what's going on in this movie for a lot of it. Um, really at all, but there is an element of the ocean. It's the block Island sound, the, you know, the, body of water surrounding Block Island. Um, and it is also about a family. We're really sticking with families for this one, aren't we? Yeah. A lot of family movies. A father who has a fisherman, and he has three children, his son and two daughters. And this really focuses around the son and his experiences. Um, and it's really just about how their family is dealing with something going on in the Block Island sound. I don't want to spoil too much. I don't want to go too much into it, but... Um,
1: it's yeah, I agree. It's it's really unfortunate that this movie in particular, I think, benefits from not knowing what to expect. No, and that, yeah. that that feels like such a cop out. It feels like we're avoiding talking about it. This movie is really so so effective in surprising you, and I don't mean yes. that in that you think it's one thing it's and then it's a shock twist. Value. It's not about that. It just really sneaks up on you. And what movie we told you? It's it's. It's playing with sea monsters. It's playing with mm-hmm. sort of family Dreams. and being driven apart by grief and by confusion. Yeah,
0: it also plays with reality. With yeah. some other things we've talked about a lot of, like what are you seeing that's real? Um, what are you what are you experiencing? The, yeah, the tearing apart of their family from many different sources.
1: I say the surprises in this are so good that I don't. I just don't want to give any of them away. I, I just know. want to. I want people. I just want to. Whatever we need to say to encourage you to to see this movie when it has a release date yeah. uh, is is all we need to say because
0: I love I love it yeah, I loved it's, it's it a so really, much really great Did film. you cry at the end of this movie I did not cry but I, I burst into tears <laughs> I just I feel like that is like one of the number one selling points of this is just that literally one I love any horror movie that also tugs on my heartstrings it's just like that's my favorite thing when yeah. I can be afraid and then get like walloped with a feeling and so watching this movie, you know, there's just a moment at the end of the movie that I just literally started weeping. And I just that is such a powerful experience for me and I just want to share it with everybody. I want everyone to have that experience. Yeah, it's a really I really want this movie to be released cuz I I will like literally just send, you know, it to every single person that I know and be like, "Please watch this."
1: It really deserves a theatrical release and it also deserves, like all these films do, a world in which we can go to the theaters without Fear of conducting
0: I go to a the deadly
1: illness. Yeah, uh, sad. We watched some other stuff, some of which is tangentially related to, to horror, horror. Yeah, um, but maybe it didn't turn out to be even as much horror as we were expecting. No. Uh, but you know, we covered. It's a film festival. We covered the film festival, uh-huh. and so we're to talk to you about this. So if you're just here for the horror stuff, feel free to tune out. and We'll catch you next time. Bounce. See ya. But if you're interested in a couple of other films, we're going to be much shorter on these. But just to go through some of our favorites uh, of the many, many films we watched, stick around. The first film we'll talk about is Special Actors, written and directed by Shinichiro Ueda, who you may know from our extremely over-the-top raves about One Cut of the Dead.
0: (laughs) Are they over-the-top or are they
1: accurate? They're extremely accurate. It's a perfect (laughs) film. It's a wonderful movie.
0: Uh, And so is this.
1: Special actors is incredible.
0: It's hard to describe. Whenever, with both of them, honestly, with One cut of the Dead and Special actors, which very much feel like spiritual successor, like, they they feel so, like, really auteurism. Like, you watch it and you're like, these have nothing to do with each other, but they feel the same. The vibe is the same from both of them. As we Um, said,
1: as we said before, this is the unfortunate part. Everyone should turn off this episode and go watch <laughs> One Cut of the Dead. It's on Shutter. Yeah, we saw it in movie theater. The magic Luckily, of movie theaters. Yeah. You should go see it. I can't say anything about it because the magic of that is in like like I, yeah, like I just said about the knowing nothing. about the Black Island Sound, yeah. even much 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 more so because it does a little bit uh, pull a fast one on the audience in a way that I really appreciate. In a
0: way that is touching, like truly special. Truly
1: actors touching. has that's it's it's less. Uh, we could talk a little bit more about it, yeah. but it has the same feel of, as you're watching it, you're just delighted to be watching it. You're just delighted yes. by movie magic.
0: Movie magic and hijinks and... Wouldn't you say plot piling up on plot? Just yeah. like, you think it's one thing and then it turns into another thing and then there's another layer and then there's another layer and yet it it never reaches this, like, it's not a criticism, but it's never Nolan-esque in its, like, piles. It's yeah. really... Um I, personal and intimate in a way that like doesn't feel
1: fully by, professional. By no one-esque you mean it's not like convoluted?
0: Not even that. It's not there it's not blockbustery. It's not impressive. It's it's impressive in technique. I find
1: it extremely impressive. But it's not but
0: you know what I you know what I'm saying? It's not um it's not a blockbuster. It's not it's a, it's, it's Hollywoodish. It's, it's DIY. DIY. It's it feels, so intimate.
1: It feels like people who love cinema and who love this movie is about um a company of actors who are hired to go do everyday life acting, right? Yeah,
0: like stage They'll, a fight. Or
1: wait in lines for something. Laugh right?
0: at movie theaters. Laugh, Yeah. yeah. They
1: go and they, they act in daily life doing tasks. As such, it's about loving acting. And I think that the thing...
0: And, per- and like performance and technique. Performance. Yeah. What,
1: what works for me so well about it... Just to play off what you were saying about Nolan-esque, I think that Ueda directs uh, this orchestrated chaos extremely well. It is never confusing what is going on. No. Sometimes you don't know exactly what everyone in the scene is up to, and you don't necessarily understand something, but you have to trust... This is the thing. Is if you watch this out having seen One Cut of the Dead, you don't know it, but you're in very good hands. Yes. Just he, go along for the ride. It will come
0: around. It is a ride. Yes.
1: And you will be thrilled by the end. Yes. Yes. In terms of genre, I don't even know what to say. It's its basically just a comedy. Comedy, yeah. It's kind of... It has horror elements.
0: Yes. One Cut of the Dead more than this, but this still does have those um, very practical kind of effects.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's not... This is not a horror film. It is a comedy that Playing I think... Playing off lots of different I think people who
0: like horror films will like it, especially if they like One Cut of the Dead. I agree. If you like One Cut of the Dead, 100%. I really would recommend this to anyone. It's just, it's, it's so lovely. Yeah. The next one we're going to talk about is the only short we're going to cover. Um, it's called Night Shifts and it is written and directed uh, by Finn Wolfhard of Stranger Things and It, chapters one and two. Um, that's what, particularly why I wanted to cover it because it does feel connected to horror in the sense that he is a little horror boy.
1: Scream kid, Scream,
0: <laughs> scream child. Um and I, you know, I love it, Chapter 2. He plays Richie Chosier. I'm very invested in uh, in in that movie. And uh, I think this is a one... It's This is like a two to three minute short. Yeah, we think. have...
1: We we shouldn't even... We'll...
0: I, I don't even want to say anything about it. But it is very funny. It's very well directed. And it makes me excited for... Uh, that Finn Wolfhard wants to do... um, th- Be behind the camera and be creative in that way. And I'm excited for what he does next. That's just all I really want to say about it.
1: Yeah, if we talk about it any longer, we were at risk of being longer than the film. <laughs> it is very fun. I, I don't have the rose-colored glasses of Liz's obsession with the children <laughs> from the things, It
0: franchise. <laughs> all things It. Don't but, say I'm obsessed with children, please. <laughs> Let's leave that out of this. Uh,
1: It's good. It's very funny. Yeah. Very,
0: very funny. Yeah. The next film
1: is a documentary called Clapboard Jungle by Justin McConnell.
0: Or as uh, I like to call it, in Search of Darkness, part two. <laughs>
1: part it has, one and a half. <laughs> it has a lot of talking heads from the horror community.
0: Which is so fascinating. I love it. Sorry, go on with what you're saying.
1: Justin McConnell is a independent filmmaker uh, who focuses primarily on horror films. He has made horror films. And this movie is about his quest to make another horror film. And it's really about... Both his journey to get this film made, to honestly, to get any film made, he's working on a couple different projects over the course of it, mm-hmm. and also about what it's like to make an independent film mm-hmm. in the latter half of the 2010s. Um, there's lots of great interviews with people like Guillermo del Toro, Ryan from Blumhouse.
0: Corey from The Chair.
1: <laughs> Corey Musa from Showtime television series The Chair. <laughs> I
0: was so delighted to see him. <laughs> Larry Cohen. Mm-hmm. Barbara Crampton. Stuart Gordon. Yeah. Anyway, several people who have died since this movie was made, which was surreal and sad. Yeah. This is a really interesting
1: documentary, and I would recommend it to people who care as deeply as I do about how films get made and the challenges facing film distribution and uh, production. but Both of those, because they're separate buckets, but very much about that. Uh, Fantasia Fest features prominently in this film, which is like a fun little yeah. thing that we screened this through, Fantasia Fest, and he is uh, he attends Fantasia Fest over the course of multiple years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's good. I'd recommend it.
0: Yeah, I liked it a lot. Especially, like you said, if you're interested in the film industry and how movies get made. Absolutely.
1: The next film is called Labyrinth of Cinema. It was written and directed by Nobuhiko Obayashi, who also passed away earlier this year. Uh, it is as such his final film,
0: um, and what a final film it is!
1: Yeah, uh, again with the there, there are horror connections in almost all of these. If you don't know Obayashi by name, or you didn't check out his work at all when he passed away, he made the nineteen seventy seven film House or Hausu that is pretty well known to a lot of people and is one of your favorite
0: movies. It is one of my favorite, like movies. top five ever, right? Absolutely,
1: yeah. It's also featured prominently in marketing by the, the Criterion Collection. They sell t-shirts. Bill Hader has one. Your boy Bill Hader has, I a, know. <laughs> has a house t-shirt. Um, he wore it to his Criterion uh, Closet, Criterion closet yeah. interview. Yeah. He, Obayashi is not primarily a director of horror films. Uh, he has pretty much worked in every genre over his career. Um,
0: and this movie kind of um, plays into that, wouldn't you say?
1: This movie is every genre. It is every genre. It is three hours long, we should say. It is about the <sighs> closing of a movie theater... Uh, like, the very last night of a movie theater. And it's also about traveling into the world of cinema and exploring a history of imperialism and war through cinema. If that sounds like the haughtiest thing you've ever heard, it would be if it weren't so goddamn playful.
0: It's very playful. I mean, the, let's say, like, I, not to spoil, but like, this movie opens in space. Yeah, yeah the, the who, who is he? He's the he's, he used to own the movie theater or is he just a director? I don't know what he is. There's an old man, he's in space with a lot of fish. He comes to Earth for this, this closing of the yeah. movie theater. Um and there is a young a young girl who he has told about um who features heavily. But in... He's not even one of the main no, characters. No, he's asleep for a lot of it. He's asleep. <laughs> I will speak from a place of uh, not loving Obayashi as much as you do. Yeah. I don't, I mean, not that I don't love him. I, I also, I like Haosu. Um This movie is bananas. Like, it is so out there. It's not a movie. Like, calling it a movie is both, like, doing it a disservice and also, like, selling it wrong. Like, we did watch this movie in two sittings, which was, I think, the right choice. Uh, it has
1: an intermission, by the way. It does
0: have an intermission. So, it was a very good, like, time to take a break and come back to it the next day. It's so wild. It's so out there. I can't say that with enough insistence that, like, this movie should not be taken on lightly. It's wild. But it also is very touching. And it's very... It, it, is, it is for lovers of movies. It, it spans genre in such a way that you will see all of the different kinds of movies that you love. And I think that's very fascinating.
1: I like to talk about this a little bit more just because uh this one in particular I don't think we're going to revisit on this podcast. I agree with you that it is there nothing we say will prepare you for the the energy of this movie. <laughs> Even having seen Haosu or uh his motorbiker island or Exchange Students, any any prior Obiashi movies, this movie was made actually it's actually the second movie he made after a terminal diagnosis with with cancer. His previous movie, Hanagatami, I have not yet seen. Uh, But he made that, and he made this, and then he passed away. And as a like final statements to the world, it is very. I find it very moving.
0: Yeah, you can't have a better statement to the world. Uh, It's it's about it's about
1: how cinema. I mean, it's kind of about how cinema has the potential to save the world, but also about how mankind's foibles and our predilections towards warfare are going to be our undoing. Mm -hmm. Which again, everything I say makes it sound so heavy, and like parts of this are 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 emotionally heavy. But again, stylistically, I think it's just so. Overwhelming and I mean that in the best way. And I actually find it really interesting that this is this is the problem is that I'm going off on this Obayashi tangent. Yeah. Hausu is kind of about the aftermath of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. The surface level, it is not about that. It's a horror movie about a haunted house and cats and paintings and blood and witches. Mm-hmm. But um if you remember at all, the background story of about her aunt and about the war, it is mm-hmm. about the trauma, the trauma Mom. that inflicted upon multiple yeah. generations of Japanese people. This movie is doing a similar thing thematically in terms of what it does with war movies and the way that we keep retelling the stories of through war movies that is sort of re-inflicting that trauma, mm-hmm. uh, specifically the trauma on this young girl character. I agree with you that to call it just call it a movie is a disservice. I think it's basically, for what it is, it's basically perfect. It's just that what it is is not... Conventional. Conventional or even what I think most people are looking for. It wasn't entirely... <laughs> I had to really work to, to meet this movie on its level, and I think that I'm kind of the built-in audience for it. Yeah,
0: not everyone is going to want to do work, nor should everyone want right. to.
1: But I think that if what we're describing sounds like something to be up your alley, and you have the patience and the attention span, I could not recommend it highly enough. I think it's a really, really powerful and moving and, and honestly entertaining, very funny uh, piece of filmmaking.
0: It is funny. It's a good movie. And I'm not its target audience in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. The last uh, movie we're going to talk about is a documentary called Feels Good Man by uh, Dr. Arthur Jones. It's also a horror movie in a way. Oh, it's very much a horror movie, but the, only, and I think as um, if you follow our Twitter, Evan said in a tweet, <laughs> um, just about the horror of being alive and being on the internet, this is a documentary about Pepe the Frog and uh, his uh, horrifying journey of being created um, by... Matt Fury. Matt Fury, uh, a very a very seemingly nice man who just wants to draw frogs. He loves to draw frogs. Um, and, um, Pepe was completely and totally co-opted by the alt-right via 4chan and is now a hate symbol, um, in America. And it's devastating. It's a devastating film. I, as someone who's never participated in 4chan and I don't, I didn't really have any idea about it, this movie terrified the living, like, shit out of me. Yeah. Like, I I can't, I, I was, like, in tears, like, for half of it, just knowing that this kind of... I was going to say evil, and then I was like, is that too strong? And I was like, no, no, it's evil. Just knowing that this kind of evil exists on the Earth, and these people are so angry, and it's scary. It's a really scary ride, and it is very sad, and it's hard to watch. But in that way, I, I also really loved it, because I love internet history. Yeah. And I love hearing about, like, kind of the things that lead us to how to where we are, the way that Pepe became a hit symbol, I'd never, I never knew. And it's so unbelievably fascinating about, not to spoil, but just about the different areas of the internet and the spaces people claim for themselves and how angry they get when people invade their spaces is so fascinating and horrifying. And it just like, it blew my mind in both a really negative and a really positive way. Like, I just, I feel so positively about, th- about this film because it's so well-made, but it, it was a very hard watch.
1: Yeah, I think that it's, I agree with you completely, it's especially well-made. Um, I think as internet histories go, we don't have enough of them at this point, and I'm also thrilled whenever one handles internet culture, which is, both in terms of, it understands what it's talking about without ever seeming at least to me, someone who is pretty goddamn online. It doesn't seem at all like coming from a too academic or too out of touch position. No. It, it understands the language and the nuance of internet, both irony and hatred, in a way that I think is a really, really difficult needle to thread without sounding like an idiot. Without sounding like an out-of-touch or dork.
0: sounding Or sounding very judgmental of the internet. I think this is, this is what I encounter a lot when people try to write about um, the internet or being online or any kind of online space in any way is that the internet is both so wonderful and welcoming and a place where you can find your people in a way you never could before, right? Like, you can reach out and find people who love the same things that you do and are looking for the same space that you're looking for. And on the flip side, it is the most evil place where people have been so hurt and abused and radicalized and, like, our brains are literally different because of the experience we have on the internet. Like, it's both this paradise and also hell.
1: And and not just through the internet more broadly, but specifically about meme culture. Yeah. And this movie examines and explains, like, meme culture in a way that is is simultaneously not condescending while also being extremely clear about frankly the evil that it has has wrought.
0: Right, yeah. And I absolutely. think that
1: it like I said, that's a very hard needle to thread, and I think that this movie absolutely nails it. Again, I agree fully agree with you. It's a must watch for anyone who is as poisoned by <laughs> discourse and memes and checks Twitter four hundred times a day the yeah. way that both of us do. Yeah. Um which maybe isn't everyone. Maybe maybe you live a much, much less <laughs> More free life than we I do. <laughs> mean, I use the word poisoned because it's true. A less poisoned by social media life than we do. Yeah. Maybe this isn't going to speak to you quite the same way that. It but it's still.
0: Moved I think it's us. still really essential because it's not just about the internet, right? It fractures out into politics, and that's interesting. That's important for everyone. Like it's important for everyone to understand the way that Donald Trump's presidency. Uh, like, interacts with Pepe the Frog and fascism and Reddit. Like, that is essential for all of us to know and care about. Watching this movie made me angry all over again about the 2016 election. You know, like, and I know that not everybody wants to live in that space. I understand that. I, I get it. But I think that this is just...
1: But you do get to see Richard Spencer get punched again. You
0: do. I was waiting for it the whole movie. I was like, this Richard Spencer punching video better be in this movie. And it was great. Love seeing it. I'll never get sick of it. Um, it's a really, it's a fantastic documentary. It's so comprehensive. I just loved it so much.
1: So this movie won um, an award at Sundance and is now making festival rounds. We tweeted out a link to a, uh, a screening that was happening uh, concurrently with Fantasia Fest. I have a feeling this is going to become pretty widely available soon. Um, some of these, especially some of these like indie horror movies we're talking about, who knows? I'm pretty sure you're gonna be able to watch "Feels Good Man" pretty soon, and you should. I don't know. This 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 is a very special documentary.
0: I feel uh, like both of us are like near tears, right?
1: Now. Yeah. <laughs> it's why it's why when we when we made up our notes for this, it, made, it felt right to end with it. Yeah, it's incredible. It's really really great, and I promise you, it's not as dour as we're making it sound. It's pretty dour. Though. It's got a lot of really incredible animation throughout that is in the style of Matt Fury, and I think the part of this that we didn't talk about at all is that it is also sort of Matt Fury's attempt to reclaim the character yes. for better and for worse mm-hmm. and his, his travails in doing so. And I think that it has a lot of heart in that regard, uh, a lot of sympathy for Matt Fury, as well as... I think it understands the ways in which he might be misguided well, like, in his Well, like, and efforts. death
0: of the author. That, like, there's yeah. a point where it doesn't belong to him anymore and how how sad that is his for with that, But simply yeah.
1: his struggles with that, I think, make this really touching in that
0: regard. Mm-hmm.
1: Great film. Absolutely talked about it way film.
0: too long. Yeah. I just looked at the time on this. Ah, uh, well, it was a great festival.
1: So these were supposed to be shorter episodes. Uh, Oops. We watched a ton of films at Fantasia Fest. Uh, thanks again to them for uh, accrediting us and allowing us to do this. Uh, we would love to be back, though so who knows where it'll be next year. <laughs> yeah. um, Fantasia Fest is great. I know a lot of people were unable to do some of the screenings because they're not located in Canada, and there was some geo blocking on the screenings that you could buy tickets to. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's something that they're able to fix. I know that uh, distribution rights were uh, kerfuffle. I-, I-, I mentioned this because I saw a lot of stuff on Twitter about people being upset. They couldn't watch Fantasia Fest films, and so I'm really... Glad that we were lucky enough to do this, we're and really grateful yeah. that we are able to tell you guys about these films that we will again a hundred percent bring up again because there's some really really killer stuff here, and I think that our our listeners,
0: yeah, I hope you guys are excited to see a lot of these when they come out. I'm just like I I'm you excited to us, for you. So
1: assume we assume that you at least in some way share our taste, maybe in, in some small way, <laughs> some small. way. Uh, otherwise, thank you for listening. But why are you here? <laughs> uh, we don't recommend these like lightly. These are these are yes, good films. These
0: were really. Strong pulls.
1: So that's it for another in between episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've received a couple of naming suggestions, so thank you to our listeners who have done that. Yes. If anyone else has more, we're still. Yeah, maybe we'll do a poll. Still soliciting. Yeah, we we, we want more ideas bouncing around. If you've if you've shared one, we do really appreciate it. And we but, are considering it. But let, yeah, we're considering it. Yeah, we're considering. I want to hear. I want to hear more suggestions. Um, I'm excited about these in between episodes, especially as we move into. The fall, the spooky season, the spooky season. It's
0: September, baby.
1: Yeah, according to Shutter, Halloween's already like started. That's how
0: I feel. September one, it's Halloween. Yeah, and it lasts until December twenty fourth.
1: <laughs> and that's when you watch the night before Christmas.
0: <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Our next episode will be a roulette episode on. They're watching. They're watching. They're watching. We'll see what happens with who's watching and who's being watched. We'll see what else. we'll we'll let you know all the details next time. Until then, keep watching. <laughs> That's your new sign-off. Yeah, it's keep watching. Keep watching. Apparently that's been our sign-off this whole time. Ooh, spooky. That is spooky. That is spooky. And you know what we should do is stay spooky. Stay spooky. That's our sign-off. Oh really? Yeah.